And in the book of Ephesians, Paul spends the first part of the book, actually three whole chapters, trying to help us to understand what it means, what God did when he saved you. When you put your faith in Jesus Christ, when you became a Christ follower, when you became a Christian, Paul lays out a number of things that happened. And he spends three chapters in the book of Ephesians giving each of us and the people at Ephesus a good, solid foundation for what it meant when you became a Christian. And he talked about how God um, chose you and adopted you and, and brought you into his family. He talks about Jesus Christ and how Christ redeems you and forgives you and puts, pours out his blessings upon you. He talks about the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit helps you to understand the word of God and seals you, makes you his own. He gets to chapter 2 and he talks about the idea that you're saved by grace through faith. You can't earn your way to heaven. You can't buy your way to heaven. You can't uh, jump through any kind of hoops in order to get to heaven. You only get to heaven. You only get, become a Christian, a Christ follower, by grace through faith. God offers you salvation and you accept it and you make it your own. And then he comes to chapter 3 and he talks about the idea of why difficult things happen to God's people. Because the people at Ephesus were concerned that here's Paul, this great, great godly man in prison for doing what's right. And they just couldn't understand why that would happen. And Paul helps them to understand, it's not that God did something to me. It's that God is doing something through me. And he helps, he help, Paul helps the people to understand that, yes, I'm in prison, but it's okay. Because God's doing something bigger. God has a bigger thing at play right here. And actually, me being in prison helps you. And so it's okay for me to go through difficulties in order to help other people and in order for God's kingdom to go forward. When he gets to chapter 4, and that's kind of where we are this morning, Paul talks about the idea that it's important for us, based on chapters 1, 2, and 3, to grow as Christians. Paul says, look, God has done all of this so that you can grow, so that you can mature. And we talked about the idea that it is expected of a Christian that we mature and grow. Um, God expects that. And then he deals with the first part of chapter 4. He talks about it in relationship to the church. And Paul said, look, not only did God save you and make you his child, but God also gifted you. God gave you a gift. And we've talked about how the idea that each one of us has unique gifts. Uh, we all have different abilities. We all have different God-given things that God wants us to use and that fit perfectly into what God wants to do in his kingdom and our part in it. And as a church, we're helping you try to figure out what those gifts are. And there's, a, there's an online thing that you could go online, doesn't cost you anything, and, and it'll, it'll help you identify the areas that God has gifted you. And then our challenge to you is to find a place in God's kingdom to use those gifts. Then last week, we talked about the idea that growth is expected, that it's slow, it's progressive, it's something that occurs over time. And that in our microwave society, we have to be careful that we don't want to get frustrated because we're not growing fast enough. And we talked about the idea that everybody in here is growing at a different rate. We talked about the idea that, that God works in all of us different ways and different times and different speeds. So therefore, it's not your job to go tell everybody else what they're supposed to do. It's your job to figure out how you grow and then use that to help others. This morning, Paul's going to shift and up until now, he's talked about us and our relationship to other Christians and the church. Now Paul's going to talk about our relationship to the world. 
And he's going to start laying out some things about how we as a Christian interact with the world and how those two things go together. So rather than talk about us as a church and you and how you fit into the church, Paul's now going to talk about how you and I fit into the world. So that's where we're going to pick it up. Ephesians chapter 4, here's what the verse says. He starts with this, and he says, So I tell you this, and notice that he's going to be pretty emphatic about it as well. He says, I tell you this, and insist on it in the Lord. So Paul said, not only am I going to tell you this, but I'm going to kind of jump down your throat on it because this is really, really important. You must no longer live as the Gentiles do. Paul said, let me make this as clear as I can make it. You don't live like them. Now, you and I, when we read Gentiles, we think people group. Okay? When Paul here talks about Gentiles, what he's basically talking about is the idea of anybody outside of Christ. He's talking about the idea of there are people who are in Christ, and then there are people who are outside of Christ, and Paul's going to kind of lump them into this category of Gentiles. And he's going to say, those are people who don't have Christ like you have Christ. And Paul says, look, I'm going to insist, I'm going to make it very, very clear to you, stop living like they do. Don't live like they do. You have to do it different. And notice what he's going to go on to say. And he's going to start to help us understand these. He said, in the futility of your thinking. So Paul says, look, let me help you to understand. You you don't think like they think. You're not supposed to think like they think. Their thinking is futile. It's worthless. It's vanity. It's actually, in the Hebrew Bible, the word here that that they actually pulled this word out of the Hebrew Bible. It's the word vanity that's used in Ecclesiastes like 37 times. It's the idea of chasing the wind. Um, I like what one guy said, and this is the thing I want to take off when we get the application part of it. It's like, it's like trying to catch bubbles. You know? I mean, you can try, but you're kind of wasting your time, aren't you? I mean, it's fun, but it's just not real productive. And Paul said, look, you need to understand, that's how the Gentiles, that's how the world thinks. The world as a whole is chase the bubbles. Don't do that. That's not, what, that's not why God saved you. That's not why God made you his child, so you can go and live like they do. He said, stop chasing bubbles. He goes on to say, in the futility of the thinking, and now he's going he's to give us a little more insight, and notice what he says. They are darkened in their understanding. There's a lot, of, there's a lot in the Bible about the idea that, uh, between light and darkness, between God's way and the world's way. And God's way is always pictured as a way of light. Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. It's the idea that when you bring light into a situation, all of a sudden the darkness goes away. Um, yesterday was kind of a crazy day for me. Um, I started out on a, on, on a bobcat uh, demo in a house in a great big fire pit burning it up. And that was awesome. I love, I, I love fire. Um, and, and so, you know, just praying I didn't catch some farmer's field on fire. But anyway, so we, had, we thought it was a pretty good day, not enough wind, and, and the pit was really deep. And so we kept just throwing stuff in. It was awesome. And then um, I, I jumped off the bobcat at about 1230, ran home, uh, showered, put on a suit, came here at uh, 230 and did a wedding, I ran back home, 
Um, jumped on, uh, changed clothes again, because I didn't want to go ride a bobcat in a suit. Uh, and changed clothes again, got back out there, and then we, we, we started moving dirt. Um, and, and, so, and so Josh and I were working on it, and we had two things going on. At one point, I mean, we had the first part of the day was really, really bad. The, bet, the last part of the day worked really, really good. And so as we were working and, and stuff like that, I said, okay, Josh, when are we going to call this? And he said, when the sun goes down, we're done. Well, this was going really smooth. I mean, really smooth. I mean, it was like, it was like two little, it's like Tonka toys for adults. I mean, you know, he's on one bobcat, I'm on the other, and we're zipping around, and he's gone his way, and we kind of figured out, okay, I'll go to the right, you go to the left, we're zipping around, and then the sun is going down. And it's like, man, we were moving. I mean, I, we really didn't want to stop. And it was starting to get harder and harder. And, of course, I'm older than Josh, so therefore my sight is not as good as his sight. And I'm going, you know, this is starting to get a little sketchy now, you know, uh, because it's getting dark. And then I realized this thing has lights. <laughs> so I flipped this switch, and the next thing I know, I got lights in front of me. And I got lights behind me, and I'm like, wow, we don't have to wait for the sun. We don't have to wait for the sun. We can keep going. And Josh, at one point, he looked at me, and he went, you know, okay, let's cut it. And I'm like, yeah, man, we got lights, baby. Um, and then he flipped his on, and then finally it got to a point that was like, okay, we've gone far enough. Let's call it. So about 830, we, 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 we headed on in. But the thing was, until we flipped the lights on, Things were starting to get a little, a little iffy here. But when the lights came on, all of a sudden now we could see, we knew where we were going, and, and you know, all this stuff. You could see where you were dropping the dirt and where you were picking. And it made a big difference. And here's what I'm saying. That's what Paul said. He said, look, the Gentiles, the people of the world, the people without Christ, they're in darkness. You and I, as believers... As the light of Jesus Christ has come into our heart, it opens up a whole new understanding. We see things completely differently now. And Paul said, that's what you need to understand. They're in darkness, you're in light. And then he goes on to say that. And they have been separated from the life of God. He said, they're on that side, you're on this side. He said, they're over there, you're over there. Paul said, you've got to realize that. And he goes... And their life is separated from the life of God. They don't, they don't want anything to do with God. Literally, the word here is agnostic. It's the idea of, of you know, not, not no God, but I can't know God. And so the idea is that God's over there and I don't have place for him in my life. Because I don't need him. That's the idea, really. In ignorance, they don't see the value of being in the light. They don't see the value of flipping on the light. They would rather run the bobcat in the dark, so to speak. Notice what he goes on to say. Be, oh, no, no, go back, go back, 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 back. I'm not through that yet. Hell, there we go. Because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of the heart. Here's what Paul said. He said, you've got to realize, their hearts have become hard. It's become calloused. Now, some of you know how this works, um, and some of you know enough about me to know that, that fingers and sharp objects, I'm just not real good with. Um, and so, through a course of my lifetime, I've done a lot of really bad things to my fingers, including cutting the tips of three of them off. They got them back, so they're still there. They look okay. Um, 
In fact, a couple of weeks ago, I got this one. So this was going to be number four, but it's healing back pretty good. Uh, but anyway, here's what you may not know, just FYI. Uh, when you cut the tip of a finger off and they glue it back on and stitch it all back together and it all heals up and stuff like that, uh, if, you've cut it, if you've cut it properly, uh, you have no feeling in that fingertip anymore. You have no nerve and, and blood vessels going in there or whatever else. So when you try to run a smartphone with your fingertip, it doesn't register. Okay? So when I, when I go like this, it doesn't know that I've, I'm doing that. Um, so I told my wife, I said, I said, six more fingers and I can't use my phone. Um, you know, I said, I got, you know, cause I'll, I'll do it now. Oh yeah, I can't use that finger. I got to use this one. But anyway, that's FYI. But, uh, so, so I, I've done it. And here, here's what you learn. When you do that enough, you build up a callus. You don't feel it anymore. It's not that the, it's not that the, the sharp thing's not there. It's not that the hot thing's not there. It's not that you get, you just don't feel it. Cause you And that's what Paul said. He said, the things of God, he said, they're callous to them. The Gentiles, the world, the people around the country, it doesn't impact them. They're not sensitive to it at all. Now, we got to get a, we, listen, as Christian people, we really need to understand this. I, I don't know why some of you are shocked that the world doesn't like our viewpoints or philosophies or lifestyle or doesn't agree with us. Why are you shocked at that? It shouldn't shock you. That's what Paul's saying. He's saying, look, their, their hearts are hardened. And he says that they've lost all sensitivity. They've given themselves over to sensuality, so to indulge every kind of impurity. They're full of greed. Okay? Um, let me just try to help you understand this. So I'm going to go into a philosophical thing, and then we'll come back. But here's the thing. As a Christian, as a believer, what I do is I say that I believe that God created me. I believe that I was created... God had a plan for me before my parents ever thought about me. I believe that's what Psalm 139 teaches. I believe children are an incredible gift from God. I believe that um, God has this incredible special thing in our lives that, 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 that he does and that he has a purpose and a plan for every one of us. That's what we talked about. So for me, I have a purpose for my life. Now, you can believe whatever you believe about the origin of people and all that kind of thing, but, but here's, the, here's the philosophical issue. When you start with the premise that you were just an amoeba that crawled out that did this to did that, and you just evolved into this thing and we just happened to be here, the, the fundamental problem with that as a, as, as a belief system is this. So what's your purpose? I mean, if, if you just happened there's no purpose for you You have to create a purpose right everybody follow me so far well now you're getting your philosophy why do you live life well when you start looking at the philosophies throughout all of history and all the different people and all different philosophies and everything there's only really one philosophy that makes sense if you just happen to be here there's no plan there's no purpose there's no god there's only one philosophy that makes sense logically. And that philosophy is hedonism. That philosophy says, it's all about you. Make it all about you. Grab everything you can grab. Enjoy everything that you can enjoy. Don't worry about anybody else. Why would you worry about anybody else? They're just a happen chance too. Who cares? 
It's all about you. It's the only one that really makes sense from a logical perspective. That's what Paul's saying. If there's no God, if you're hardened to the things of God, if you don't want anything to do with God, then you have to create your own purpose. And ultimately, the smart, the smart answer is make it all about you. Make it all about you. You want to go do that? Go do that. You think you'll enjoy that? Do it. It all becomes about greed, whatever you want. Grab it. It all becomes about sensuality. That brings you pleasure? Go do it. Paul said that's the way they think because that's the way their heart is hardened. That's the way the world works. That's the way. So don't be surprised when it's all about them because that's where it leads. And Paul says, look, so they've given themselves over to sensuality and indulge in every kind of impurity or, or, or just whatever brings them pleasure is okay. That's what they want to do. That's what they're going to go do. Paul said, that's the way the world functions. Okay. They're full of greed. That's okay. Now notice what he goes on to say, verse 20. That, however, is not the way you, of life you learned. Paul said, that's not, why, that's not how we do it. We do it different. He said, when you heard about Christ and you were taught in him according with the truth that is in Jesus. Paul said, look, God didn't save you. God didn't make you his child. God didn't come into your life to live so you could be the same. He came so that you could grow, so that you could change, so that you could be different from that. Because that is the way everybody else is. But we, and this is what he's, that, that's what he spent one, chapters 1, 2, and 3 help, helping you understand, we are different. You were taught, with regard to your former way of life, to put off your old self, which is being corrupted in its deceitful desires. Paul is going to spend, and we're going to spend the next three or four weeks probably, talking about this whole list of put off, put on. Just like yesterday. I didn't run the bobcat in a suit and tie. Why? What did I do? I went home, I put off my monkey suit, I put on jeans and a t-shirt, okay, and my muck boots, so I could go out and work. Why? Because you put off, put on, put off, put on. And that's what Paul's going to say. He said, he's going to go through a whole list in the next, in the next couple of weeks. We're going to go through the whole list of, okay, this is the way the world does it, put that off, put this on, put that off, put this on, put that off, put this on. Why? Because that's the way we do it differently. That's what Paul's saying. So, we're gonna, I'm not going to dive into that this morning. I'm just going to lay out that principle, okay? Um, and we're going to spend a lot of time talking about that and some principles on how we change and what we do and, and all those kinds of things. A couple of takeaways for this morning that, that I want us, as we, as we head into the week, um, to think about. Here's, here is the first one. We are to be different. We're to be different. We don't do it the way the world does it. You go, well, isn't that obvious? I don't think it is. Because I see a lot of people who go, you know, I don't want to stand out. I want to fit in. I'm watching churches do that right now. We want to fit in. Oh, and if the world says that this, if this is the way the world's going, then we need to make sure that we're not offensive, so we're going to adopt that. Well, we're different. We are different. We do it differently. 
Why? Because we were of that world, we are now in that world. Our heart was hard, now we have a new heart. We were in darkness, now we're in light. It is one or the other, it can't be both. And we're in a culture which says you can hang on to both. Jesus was very, very clear. You can't serve two masters. You can't walk in two opposite directions at the same time. And why do we think we can? Why do we think that it's okay to walk in, in both directions? That, that, that okay, let, just for sake of illustration, that, let's make that the world. Let's make that this Christ. And Christianity. And God. Tell me which way I'm going. No, I'm a Christian. If I walk here, I've walked away. And if I walk here, I've walked away. Put off, put on. Put off, put on. And we've got to realize we are different because we are and we got to build the sign back, by the way. In Christ. We don't have to do it that way anymore. We're in Christ. Second principle. You've got to start changing the way you think. You really have to sit down and in the Gentile world. And again, even the world at the time of Paul. They had all kinds of gods. They had gods for everything. But those gods were all about the present. Those gods weren't about the future. You know, it's going to rain this week. Well, they tell us. I mean, you know. What a great job. Where you can be right like 5% of the time and everybody still pays you. Um, you know, but I mean, so, so supposedly it's going to rain all week and it's going to be horrible for farmers. They're not going to be able to get in the field, blah, 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 blah. Here's what you would do. If you were living in this time, what you would do is you would go in and you would start making offerings to the grain gods. You make offerings to the sun god. You make offerings to the, the rain god. You would make offerings so that the gods would, would show blessing upon you, be favorable upon you, and it would rain on your neighbor's field and not yours. I mean, that's the way you would do it. It was all about the present. It wasn't about the future. Christianity was about the future. Christianity was about living in the present, but it had a future impact. There was an eternity with your God past this world. Theirs were all about their gods taking care of you and meeting your needs right now, today. We're not careful. We get, sometimes we do that with Christianity. We talked about that in Sunday school. You know, where we love serving God when it all goes our way. But let it not go our way and we're gone. And, and Paul here, he lays out this principle and he says, look, you, don't, you need to stop thinking like the Gentiles do. You need to start putting God into your thinking for what you do. You need to stop chasing bubbles. Okay, now I'm going to try this. Because I am a grandparent, every grandparent has bubbles in their house, so I didn't have to buy these. These were sitting on top of our refrigerator. Um, but unfortunately, my wife and I had a disagreement on bubble buying, and she bought the cheap stuff. So sometimes they work and sometimes they don't. But here's the principle, all right? See, I told you. Okay. Ah! Try it again. Close. Oh, see? Buy the expensive stuff next time. Okay, here we go. Ah! Ah! 
You want to watch me do that for the next hour? Somebody's like, yeah, you look like an idiot up there. Yeah, keep going at it, Pastor. And as I'm doing that, some of you are sitting there going, I I know you're a college graduate, but you're not going to catch it. You're wasting your time. You know what I watch people do? Day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, chase bubbles. Well, if I get that promotion, I know if I get that promotion, my life will be exactly ah nope. Well, if I make that sound, if I make that, you know what? When I get married, you know we have kids. If I can get that house, if I can get that car. I know, I, I want to have more. I want to have a decent retirement. Chase some bubbles. No figure at all for how God fits into any of that. No plan at all for all of a sudden, and a run around, chasing bubbles. Why? Because they haven't put God into the equation for whatever it is they're chasing. They haven't put something into the equation that makes time. About four years ago, those of you who know me know that I love glass. I mean, there's something about taking sand and turning it into something that is clear and beautiful and colorful and and light hits it and reflects it. It's just just my thing. I don't expect it to be your thing. And I've always done stained glass, and then we got into fused glass. And about four years ago, I had the opportunity to blow glass. Um, Throw that picture up, if you would. This is... um, in my office. Uh, yeah, it's right at the end of there. Here you go. Okay. This is the first piece I ever blew. Um, you take about, this is about 1,800 degrees, 2,000 degrees, liquid. Glasses is liquid at that point. You put it on the end of a punt. You get it all ready. And, uh, first of all, you have to sit down. Before you ever do this, you have to sit down and decide what colors you want in it. And then you have to decide what shape that you want in it. And then you have to decide how you want the colors to swirl. And, and that kind of thing. And then once you get all that done, then you start adding the color to it, and it goes through this whole long process. And at some point, you blow it, and you get it so that it starts to get round, and then you start to shape it and mold it and all that kind of thing. Um, and actually, this one, uh, if you look at it, it actually has bubbles in it. And they'll be here until the day breaks. But you need to understand, this took a lot more effort than what I was just doing up here. Um, I had to go to a studio that had about $20,000 worth of equipment. That's not what I paid for this. Um, but, I, you know, I mean, it's like 55 bucks to do this. But um, I, I had to go to a place that had all the equipment. I had to go to somebody who had the skill to be able to say, okay, this is what we're going to do, this kind of thing. And uh, the more and more I learn about it, I'm working right now, taking classes. I've got two more classes to take down in Omaha where we can actually go down and do it on our own. Um, and so, you know, we're, we're dealing with how to make different shapes and stuff like that and, and all of this. But here's the thing. This, this is the same process that I was up here doing with the bubbles. But this lasts. This has a value. This has time. This has investment. This has focus. This has a plan. This is something that's far more permanent than what I was just doing up here. 
Here's what I see. I see a lot of people running around blowing bubbles. When you could take that same energy and you could focus it on what God wants to do in and through your life and have something that lasts far longer than blowing bubbles. And when you all of a sudden sit down and you start putting God into the perspective of, God, how is this promotion going to impact the time that I have with my family? Because I only have a short amount of time with my little kids. God, how, 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 does this, how does this job impact how close I get to stay to my family? God, how does my view of what I am doing with my time reflect? Am I investing in something that's going to last like a piece of glass? Or am I just blowing bubbles? We really got to sit back and change our thinking. And we really have to ask ourselves, all right, God, because here's the thing. If you haven't figured this out yet, life has a way of teaching you this. The problem with that is often it comes at the end of your life, not at the beginning of your life. I deal with a lot of people who at the end of their life are saying, I wish I would have spent... I listen to my dad every time I visited for years tell me, I wish I would have done it differently. I went, Dad, I had a great life. I wish I would have done it differently. I can't tell you the number of spouses that I talk to that say, I wish we would have done it differently with our marriage. I wish we would have taken that vacation. I wish we would have spent that time. I wish we would have done this. We spent all of our time, energy, and effort on bubbles. I wish we would have taken the effort to figure out what we need to do to make something that was in glass that lasted. And I want to challenge you this week to sit down and say, look, don't think like the world does without God as part of the picture. Ask yourself, all right, God, how do you want to use me? How do you want my life to orientate around you rather than me? Because ultimately, here's what you're going to find. With God, there are two things that are eternal on this earth. People in his word. I have rarely met somebody who at the end of their life says, I wish I wouldn't have spent so much time investing in the lives of people. You know how many people I have, I've met in my lifetime that say, I wish you wouldn't have spent so much time focusing on my hobby, my career, my money, my retirement, my this, my that. I wish we would have spent more time together. Don't be that person. Take the time now to plan to figure out what God wants to do. Don't think like the Gentiles who have no issue of God in the picture. And the other issue, the last thing is this idea. Don't let your heart get hard. That is so easy to do. You know what the danger of you being here this morning is? That as I'm talking and you're listening to this, God is poking your heart and the Holy Spirit is saying, you know, you, you need to think about this. You need to change this area. You need to work on this area. And they're sitting there going, oh, pastor, you know, have you been living at my home the last week? No, I have not. I've been too busy for that. 
Um, and besides that, if I get the chance, I don't want to be there anyway. I want to be in my home because um, I'm a full-time job. As God has spoken to your heart, as God is speaking to your heart, as you sit there and your heart is soft to those things and you go, you know, I do need to change. I do need to rethink this. I do need to step back and, and, and do anything else. And, and that's what I'm going to do. That's what I'm going to do. And you're going to walk out of here with the greatest of all intentions. But Satan, who is so good, is going to get you so busy, you're not going to have time to address it. And you're going to go through the whole week and you're not going to do anything about it. And you'll walk back in there next week. And God's going to speak to your heart again. God's at work, and God's using it, and he's just poke a little bit, and you're going to go get a little uncomfortable, and you're going to go, okay, I need to change that, I need to change that. And you're going to walk out with the best of intentions. You're not going to do anything. And before you know it, you're going to get hard or calloused, and you're not going to be sensitive to that anymore. And the irony is, I will stand up and say something months from now, and the Holy Spirit will work just as hard but you won't feel any of it because you've let your heart get hard. My favorite college professor was a guy who was a military guy. He was an EOD um, tech. So he's the guy who played with bombs trying to take them apart. At the time, he wasn't a Christian. I think that's probably what helped him become a Christian. But anyway, nonetheless, he became a Christian. He, when he got saved, he got saved under the Navigators, and Navigators has a phenomenal discipleship program, and he went through that, and part of their discipleship program is really heavy on Bible memory. And so he started memorizing the Bible. In fact, he took it as a challenge to memorize one verse every day. And he was going to continually review those verses. Well, after a while, that wasn't enough of a challenge, so he started memorizing entire chapters. After he got bored with that, he started memorizing entire books of the Bible. So he was a phenomenal. Anytime he was teaching a class, I took it. Because he had this incredible amount of knowledge of the Word of God. But you want to know the one thing that I take away from his classes more than anything else in all the years of sitting underneath him? This guy who had memorized entire books of the Bible drilled into our heads. God does not want fat heads. He wants soft hearts. And for him to stand up and say, I don't care how much of the Bible you know. I want to know how much of the Bible you apply. That carried some weight. And I would challenge you that when God speaks to your heart, respond. Don't let it get calloused. Don't let it get to the point that you don't have that sensitivity or that feeling anymore. Because it is easy to do. The Gentile world, they've already done that. Paul said, I don't, I don't want you going down those paths. So he lists, as he gets ready to start this put off, put on series, he lists these areas to say, look, don't do this. And my prayer for you today is that. My prayer is that you really take some time this week, pull aside, stop. Really look at areas in your life. We kind of push that off the side. And some of you, you need to change the way you're doing marriage. Some of you need to change the way you're doing business. You need to change the way you handle your leisure time. You need to change. Oh, man, I hate it when I do this. Some of us need to change the way we drive. (laughs) 
See, I hate it. See, it's like when God speaks to you, then it's like, okay, God, we'll deal with that later. No, you know. I had somebody who I didn't know actually followed me. I think it was this week or last week. Anyway, followed me, and they said they, they, were, they, were trying, <laughs> they were trying to catch up to me, and they're like, there's no way I could even catch you. They, they said, at one point, I just stopped, and I went, I'm not driving that fast. And I'm like, oh, you know, i got to take all the stickers off my car. But anyway, um, <clears throat> no, I need to just drive differently. You follow what I'm saying? We bring God into those areas of our lives, and we, we, we do it differently because we don't do it like the world does it. So here's my challenge as we wrap it up today. Here it is. We're reminded that God expects us to be different from the world. We're not better, but we do have a better way of living. We don't need to spend our life chasing bubbles. We live with tender hearts to the purpose, direction, and leading of God. And we guard our thinking and hearts. And we keep them soft to the things of God. Let's pray. Lord, help us. God, it's easy to get caught up in this world. It's easy, Lord, because we're surrounded by this thinking and this attitude so much to let it creep into our lives. And before we know it, Lord, we're, we're losing our temper like everyone else. We're handling situations the same way everyone else handles them. And Lord, we just need to do it different. So Lord, help us. May we be sensitive to the things that you've spoken to us about, and may we change. So that, Lord, we can grow in such a way that uh, we are the people that you intend, that you have designed, that you desire for us to be. So, Lord, when we come to our uh, time in this world that ends, Lord, we don't sit back with a bunch of regrets playing the woulda, coulda, shoulda game. But we're able to have lived life purposefully with you at the center of it. These things we ask in your name. Amen. Let's